Hello and welcome to the ETOF21 Sports Podcast for October 24th. My name is Eric. I'm the man behind ETOF21 Sports. You can find my work at ETOF21 Sports on Twitter, TikTok, and at ETOF21 Sports underscore on Instagram. Yes, back a year ago, my account got disbanded for whatever, so hence the underscore. How is everyone doing this lovely late October day? Sun's out, 40 here in the Chicagoland area. I am ready for some Big Ten football. We got the big UFC fight with my boy Abib tonight. Oh, it's actually this afternoon. Looking forward to that. We have NFL tomorrow, NASCAR tomorrow. We have the World Series going on. Loaded weekend. A loaded weekend of sports. And I could not be more excited. Last night, we cashed our Jacksonville State game plus the 10.5 and, and money line. We are killing, absolutely killing this college football slate to start the year. ROI for the year it is an insane 38.99 U. And everyone that knows me knows it's just one, one unit. And then I haven't had a play to win four units yet. So everything I've been doing is small unit plays. I see these quote-unquote self-proclaimed sharps, professionals, and they're doing these whale 50-unit plays. I hate to break it to you guys, but that stuff isn't the way it goes. No one does a 50-unit play because it's all money management. And if you're with me, you know that's what we do. We do money management. We're smart with our plays. We keep everything under wraps so that way if we do lose a couple, we aren't breaking our bank with it. So we have a loaded show today. I'm going to give my review of the Thursday night game like I always do. We are going to talk a little Tua, Tua time in Miami. Then I will give my thoughts on AB and everything. So let's jump into this Giants game and the Eagles. In an exciting game between two bottom feeders in the NFL, the Eagles defeated the Giants 22-21. With that, the Eagles go to a whopping 2 4 and 1 to start the year. Believe it or not, that 2 4 and 1 is good enough for the lead in the disastrous NFC East. And right now, when we look at the standings, the Eagles are on top with 2 4 and 1, Cowboys 2 and 4, Washington 1 and 5, and the Giants are a whopping 1 and 6. And believe it or not, they are still in contention and can still actually make. A playoff spot, which is crazy to think that they could get into the playoffs with how putrid they've been. Looking back at the predictions I had for this conference, I had the Cowboys at eight and eight, Giants, Eagles, and the Washington football team all at seven and nine. So obviously, my prediction of them, even though it was that putrid, was a little bit better than what every team is doing. Crazy to think with that. Horrendous 2-4-1 record. The Eagles, according to ESPN, have a 61% chance of winning the East. Giants were up late in the fourth and blew an 11-point lead. No doubt there were some questionable calls. The legal contact in the end zone, the hands to the face on the sack. And what people need to realize is any team that gets penalties that goes their way is going to come back and win. So even if the Jets, and everyone knows how putrid the Jets are, if the Jets get penalties toward the end of the game that are going to help them be in position to win the game, 
of course they're going to win. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that out, and that's what happens with the Eagles on Thursday night. And regardless of all the calls that went their way, if Edvin Ingram can just catch a ball, the Giants would have won that game. And speaking of Evan Ingram, oh my God, have I been wrong on this guy. I was looking back at my fantasy predictions, and Evan Ingram was a guy I've been high on, and he just has not produced at all. Speaking of people that haven't produced, Carson Wentz had three TDs and one of the worst INTs that I have ever seen, the INT in the end zone, to end the first half. Speaking of ending of the first half, has there been a worse beat if you had the Eagles minus the three? The, we had two investments in the game. We had D-Jack to score a touchdown, was involved in the first drive, didn't go to him enough the rest of the game, so we lost that for one U, but then we had a three U play with the Giants plus the points. But we didn't. We weren't involved in the first half. If you had Eagles minus three for the first half, you had two bad missed field goals by Jake Elliott, and then you had an awful turnover by the Giants on downs. So if you had that minus three, I'm sorry, but that is a bad beat, and I feel sorry for you. The best bet is, though, you pushed, which <laughs> is better than a loss. So that that is good. Now, let me go back to Wentz. Everyone is giving Wentz credit. One guy I used to watch, but then I just stopped watching way back. I used to watch way back when, but now I just kind of stopped watching him, is Colin Coward. The thing with Coward is if Coward likes you, he will give you a pass. He obviously likes Wentz. He thinks Wentz is this football god, which, let's face it, he was less than 50% on the game passing the ball, had one of the worst INTs in the world in the end zone. Colin doesn't like Matt Stafford. If that was Matt Stafford, he would be ripping him that next show. And another thing with Wentz, Wentz has 10 INTs through Sam through seven games. That's Sam Bradford level numbers. So if you're the Eagles right now, how can you not be questioning yourself when it came to signing Wentz instead of signing Foles? How, how, how can you not question that? And also, on to piggyback that, if they would have signed Foles, Foles would have been for a cheaper contract. Thus, you would have been able to improve the players surrounded on the team. And like I said, when I was on the Gino Bacala podcast, the one thing about Nick Foles is Foles is that dude. Foles is that guy. Everyone likes, but God damn it, when it comes game time, winning time, that motherfucker produces a fucking shit ton. And he gets the job done. He gets that fucking job done. You look at the Bears, he looked putrid. Absolutely fucking putrid. Numbers were shit in that Panthers game. But he got the job done. And I'm not going to lie, the Eagles seriously need to be kicking themselves because Wentz, to me, he's not that guy. Wentz isn't that guy to elevate him. And everyone thinks he's something that he's not. Why? Because they like him. And unfortunately, in society, that's what we do. When we like someone, we give them a pass. When other people, we won't give them a pass to. Now, let's shift our attention to a shocking move that happened earlier in the week that I found quite surprising. And a lot of people also found surprising. It speaks a lot to the directions the Dolphins are going this year. The Dolphins named Tua Tagaloa the starting quarterback for the rest of the year. 
Dolphins are an overachieving team, being 3-3, three three, one game behind the Bills, who are 4-2 for the lead in the AFC East, and in a wild card battle. Now, this move tells me a couple things. Number one, it is saying that Fitzpatrick is putting them in a position of winning, and the Dolphins' ownership slash front office, they want to build the team through the draft. People need to remember that this team has their first and second, but they also have the Texans' first and second. So getting those young players with easy-to-manage contracts is huge for them, and that's how they want to build their roster, which, in theory, yeah, it makes sense. You want to get players that have team-friendly contracts so you can get more assets and build your team through that. But you need to remember that winning is a habit. If you get in the habit of winning, that's going to carry over for a young team. A couple examples. Right now, like I said on the Gino Bacala podcast that I was on this week where we previewed week seven, and also thank you for Gino for having me on. I always appreciate going on his show. The Browns right now don't have the habit of winning. So anytime they play a good team, Ravens, Steelers, they look like they did. Dog shit. And they beat the teams they're supposed to beat that are the lesser teams. Now, another side of that is you look at the 76ers. The 76ers had all the trust the process stuff, all that stuff going on. And now, when it comes to game time, these guys can't win. They cannot win anything right now in game time. And that right there is really important to what the Dolphins are trying to do. In crunch time, you have to be able to make the plays. And if it is a young player, if you're just kind of going through the motions, that's what you're going to do later in life when you're playing in that in the league. You need to have the habits of winning that are going to carry you to the next level. That's why I really don't like this move for the Dolphins. I think you should roll out with Fitzpatrick and try to make the playoffs. For those young guys on the team making the playoffs, even if it's a wild card, going in the first round, losing to the two seed, the Ravens, Steelers, Titans, whoever the second seed would be, that would be a good thing to build on, and you'd still have the Texans' high pick in the first and the second round. So because of that, I'm not really that big of a fan of this move. The second, to me, this move also says the ownership wants to generate money. Tua is the top seller in jerseys of any Miami Dolphins players. And with all the lost income because of COVID-19, this is going to help them generate ticket sales, even though they have limited capacity inside the arena, and also merchandise sales for the Dolphins. If you watch the post-draft of the Brian Flores and the GM of the Dolphins, I'm spacing on his name, you could kind of tell that neither one of them was that high on Tua which to me says drafting him was an ownership move. Putting him in this position to play right now, to me, is an ownership move. This move does not put the Dolphins in a better position. The analogy that I gave when they draft Tua, when I was adamant they should have drafted an offensive lineman to build up the front, is let's say you live in New York, Maine, hell, Michigan, Illinois, wherever. A cold weather climate, you get this nice new Ferrari, Lamborghini, Mercedes, whatever, this nice new car. Are you not going to have a garage to store it in? 
what the Dolphins did is they got this nice young quarterback, and don't get it twisted, I think he's going to be a bust, which I've said numerous times, and I'll explain why after my I made my point here. That's what the Dolphins did. They got this nice new car, and they have nowhere to store it. Why not have him sit this year so he doesn't get as many hits, see what happened to Carson Wentz, see what happened to the older car brother, and let him learn. There's no better person in the league to learn from than Fitzpatrick, and he's not going to take a beating, and he hasn't took any, any hits forever. Throwing Tua under the fire like this is going to be awful, A, for his confidence, B, for his player development, and C, for his long-term as a player. Now, let's look at Tua's flaws. I don't know. Maybe he's improved these flaws. But when I watched the film from Alabama, what I saw in Tua was, A, he has a hitch in his throwing motion. If you look at his throwing motion, he's got a weird placement with his palm, and that, A, hurts his velocity and how fast he can get the ball out of his hand. One of the best things you can do when evaluating a quarterback is go split screen with player A and player B throwing the ball. I did that with Tua and Herbert, Tua and Jordan Love, Tua and Joe Burrow, all of which Tua did not have the same velocity, smoothness of throw when he threw. So that tells me he needs to work on that throwing motion. Number two, I see all these comparisons to Drew Brees and Russell Wilson. When you look at at Drew Brees' play. Drew Brees' head is up and his eyes are up. When you look at Tua play, his eyes are straight ahead. He's going to have an insane problem looking over the line if he doesn't change that. And another thing is he doesn't let the play develop. He needs to let the play develop. He's very quick to do a read, not there, and take off. And in the NFL, it's all about timing. you got to let the receivers run their route. If the routes aren't there then hey, that's fine. But I think when he feels the pressure from what I've seen of tape, he's very quick to run. And the last thing to remember is when he was at Alabama, he was playing with the cream of the crop, the best of the best. How is he going to handle when he has sub-bar players? Were the players elevating Tua or was Tua elevating the players? I think the players were elevating Tua. I think Tua is really going to struggle in the NFL unless he makes these changes to his game with the hitch in his motion, changing his hand placement on the ball, and his sight when he goes to throw. Don't get it wrong. I hope Tua succeeds. I'm just telling you guys honestly what I see when I watch film and when I watch games of Tua. I also feel it needs to be a quick-hitting West Coast offense. That's why I really felt he should have gone to the Raiders. The Raiders would have been the best play for him because everything isn't downfield. It's quick-hitting, short routes, and that's where I feel Tua will succeed. Big news yesterday as well in the NFL is Antonio Brown signed a one-year deal with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This move shows how much pull Tom Brady has and who's actually in charge in Tampa Bay. We have to remember that Tampa Bay's Buccaneers coach, Bruce Arians, who was an assistant coach in Pittsburgh when Antonio Brown was there, knows him well, said Antonio Brown wouldn't be a good fit in the locker room. Meaning, hey, A.B., you're crazy. I think I have a good thing going here, and this could be my best shot to win a ring, and I don't want you fucking it up. When Brown, who was obviously having mental issues, going through everything he was online, Instagram line, live, Twitter, everything, 
And really quick, I hope AB gets the help that he needs and he's okay now. AB lived in a house that was next to my parents' house and he was so fucking nice to my dad. He didn't have to be nice to my dad. He could have been a dick to my dad, but he was nice to my dad. And because of that, I like AB. I'm just going to say that. I don't mind AB. I like AB. The stuff he did was awful, if it's true. But because he had those acts of kindness and took time out of his day to routinely talk to my old man, AB, I like. Now, I really do hope he does get the help he needs and he's going in the right direction. When he was going on his Instagram live rips of people, Twitter live rips, he was ripping everyone but Tom Brady. Why? Tom Brady was the one guy who supported him, have it be on social media or in his private life when, I don't know if many people know this, at the beginning of the year, Brady traveled all the way down to Miami. He talked to AB and was like, hey, we should team up again if I don't resign in New England. People forget that on January 4th, AB tweeted out, only want to play with Tom Brady in 2020. Now, how will this affect the Buccaneers offense adding Antonio Brown? Mike Evans will obviously still play the outside. Godwin will still play the slot and AB will play on the the other outside. So Scotty Miller is obviously the odd man out. Gronk will go in less passing routes. They'll use Gronk more as a protection guy. And also the rookie from Minnesota, Johnson, his numbers will drop as well because he will see less time on the field. It's also one more mouth to feed. And what this signing also suggests to me is Brady doesn't really fully trust his group of pass catchers. Have it be Evans, Godwin, Miller, Johnson, Bray, Grock, etc., etc. Brady is a competitor and he's there to win. And he feels adding Antonio Brown is going to help him get that win. The big question to me is when stuff is going right, everything's happy. Everything, everyone's chipper giving high fives, loving the world. What's going to happen when Evans, Godwin, or Brown have a game where I don't feel enough targets? They're starting to realize, hey, I'm not the guy. I want to be the man. You have three guys with alpha personality playing a prima donna position in the wide receiver. That's the million-dollar question, is how all three of those guys are going to be able to handle it, put their ego aside, and accept the fact, hey, I'm here to win. That's my question. I really don't know how this is going to work out. For AB, I hope it works out. I'm on the Bucks under win total. So I would love a little drama so I could cash that bet. The one thing I do know in this whole AB thing is he's going to be out there. He's going to be ready to play. There are few people in the NFL that have the work ethic that Antonio Brown has. Meaning... The running, the lifting, the footwork drills, the working out, all that. There's going to be no doubt that is going to be on point. Because if anyone has shown he has the drive to be the best, it's Antonio Brown. He wants to be one of the best wide receivers ever with his work ethic and the time he puts into his craft. And I think that work ethic also helped Brady decide he wants to add A.B. to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And the last thing is this is 
this has to be his last chance. If Antonio Brown comes in and fucks up, he's got to be gone. He has to be gone from the league. So those three factors is why I know A.B. will be ready when he gets into Tampa against the Saints in Week 9. Well, there you have it. That's today's episode of the ETOF 2-1 podcast for October 24th. Loaded weekend of sports. My college football plays have already been sent out. Going to dive into the UFC now. Today's going to be that day when the kid's going to have multi-screens going. We got a loaded day of horse racing. We got UFC. We got college football. So let's cash some tickets. I got some memberships available if anyone's interested in joining the winning team just dm me or you can go to my website etop21sports.com which will have all the pricing you need also along with that something i started doing this year is i started sending out some dfs breakdowns every sunday morning to my guys which have been a big success i'm going to give it out a little bit differently instead of going game by game i'm just going to go position by position this sunday you guys just tell me what you like so there you have it Have a good weekend. Let's cash some tickets. Be safe. Be well. Wear your masks. And I will talk to you guys on Monday.